0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at FusionChurch.cc/soup. soap. All right, good morning, good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. Can you guys hear me okay? Awesome, awesome, awesome. This morning we are in 2 Samuel 22. We're winding it down. We're getting close to the end of of, of, uh, 2 Samuel, and um, this is a song of David we're going to be going over today. So um, there's a whole lot um, in this song and a whole lot to unpack from it, so we're going to pray and get right into it. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to dig into your word, Father, and just to learn more about you, Father. And Father, we can read a, a chapter like this from King David, Lord, and uh, just, just reflect on, on just how he felt about you and, and, and what you did for him in his life, Lord Jesus, and the gratitude that he felt for everything, Father. That you did for him lord god so i pray that you would be with us during this time father i pray that your word your holy spirit would just be with us lord god speak to us reveal new things to us during this time father we praise you in jesus name amen and amen all right second samuel 22 and i'm reading from the new king james version then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Shoal surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and and my cry entered his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were uncovered, at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me because of my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in my eyes, in his eyes. With the merc- merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the de- devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the, on the haughty, that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect, that the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the de- like the feet of a deer and sets me on on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again, till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them, so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies, so that I destroy those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. You have also delivered me from the, the strivings of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles. I sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. Amen. Amen. All right. So here, um, for for many reasons, um, uh, most commentators believe that David wrote this psalm towards um, um, the the later years of his life. Um, Some believe it was earlier (laughs) in his life, um, depending on how you read it and um those who believe it was written earlier um for whatever reason it was inserted at the end of the book out of chronological order um and it's possible but not you know it doesn't really matter um because this psalm appears almost as as David's final words so is it's 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 a, it's a summary of the thanksgiving for for God's many deliverances of him through his, through his long life of service. Um, and with, me, with, with, with minor variations, this Psalm is almost the, um, the exact same as Psalm 18. Uh, so, uh, it is likely, uh, so it's possible David could have written this as a younger man, perhaps, you know, when David when not uh, when right after Saul had died and he first took the throne in second Samuel eight fourteen, um, when, you know, David had subdued all his enemies and he was, and his, and his made King, um, but it, um, but yet in his old age, David could look back, you know, with great gratitude and and sing this song again, you know, reflect on the song that he wrote, you know, as a as a younger man, um, and and now he's reflecting on his whole life, and and this psalm is, is it's a great summary of David's whole character and his attitude throughout his life. You see such convictions, you know, of, of the absolute. Sovereignty of Jehovah and his omnipotent power to deliver the the, the necessity for obedience to God's law and, and of assurance that in the case of such obedience, he acts for his people. God comes to the rescue of his people, and this constituted the underlying strength of David's character. He says in verse 2, my rock and my fortunes and my deliverer. David t- piled title upon title um, when he was praising God. God's work for David was so big and so comprehensive that it, it couldn't be contained in just one title. There, was not, there, there wasn't just one, one way that David could could describe God. See, because David had experienced the Lord's deliverance. God delivered David from Goliath. He delivered David from Saul, from from his own backsliding, from all of his enemies. He delivered him from Absalom, you know, and and he delivered David from his own sinful passions. God continually delivered David. He says, in whom I will trust, verse 3, when we see God for who he is, it's easy to trust him, right? Right. When we we see God for who He is, it's really easy to put our trust in Him. When we know that He is our rock, we know that He's our fortress, we know that He's our deliverer and our shield, our stronghold, our Savior, it's natural to trust Him completely. Faith does not completely depend on knowledge. But the right knowledge of God gives great strength to our faith. I'm going to say that again. Faith does not completely depend on knowledge, but the right knowledge of God gives great strength to our faith. He writes, my Savior, you save me. Each title that David gave to God, um, it was meaningful to David because God fulfilled the meaning of each title in David's experience. This isn't a list of names of God that we might find if we were, you know, if we were studying some type of um, uh, systematic theology. But this is the knowledge of God combined with the right experience of God. See, it's one thing when we do do these soaps, guys, and, you know, and myself or one of the other teachers we give you like you know the theological explanation we give you the hermeneutical def, you know explanation you know i can i can delve into the the hebrew and the greek and all this stuff and it's great it's amazing information but if you don't have your own experience with god it's just words it just sounds pretty you know i just sound really smart <laughs> you know but i'm not Pop will tell you I'm not that smart, but when it comes to your own experience, if you have your own experience with God, coupled with the knowledge of God and who he is, that's when it becomes so much more meaningful to us. Verse seven, in my distress, I call upon the Lord. I call upon the Lord. The enemy of our souls wants us to believe that we can't call on the Lord in our distress. It's as if, as if we have to be right with God, and and sitting peacefully in in, in, a, in a prayer chapel to pray rightly, and so, and that's the only way that God will hear us. David knew that God hears us in our distress. David knew that no matter what situation he found himself in, if he cried out to God, God would hear him because he says he heard my voice. For David, it was that simple, right? We often complicate things, right? We feel like we got to do all, we got we to gotta complete all these steps in order for God to hear us. David, he cried out to God and God heard. David also knew that God could not hear the stress of his people without taking action on their behalf. Listen, when you cry out to God, God's going to move. Now, he may not move in the way that you want to, He may not move when you want to, right? He may not do what you want to, but God's going to move. God's going to act. Verse 8, then the earth shook. God was so concerned about David's problem that it seemed to David as, as if he shook the earth to meet his need. One commentator writes, what is most impressive is the amazing way David describes God rising from his throne in heaven in response to the cry of his servant. Parting the clouds and descending to fight the king's battles, accompanied by earthquakes, thunder, storms and lightning. When God moves, He moves. When God When God moves, it's noticeable. and we may feel like the earth is shaking around us because God is that powerful. David pictured the Lord coming to meet His, his need, coming with glory and speed. he came so fast to David that it seemed as if God traveled upon the wings of the wind. He moved that fast. Verse 14, the Most High uttered his voice. When God came, he spoke up on David's behalf, commanding all creation to respond to his passionate desire to deliver his child. All of this is a reflection of David's confidence in the love of God. This is how David perceived God. This is how he felt God was to him, that God would move heaven and earth to deliver him from whatever trials and tribulations that he was in. uh, David sees God as so loving that he won't tolerate the distress of his beloved. When, When things aren't right for those that he loves, all creation will see his passion and urgency to meet their need. This does not just apply to David. This applies to us today. God wants, we are God's beloved. These are words that we don't always use in today's language. But to be someone's beloved means that I will move heaven and earth to get to you. God will do everything to get to you. He delivered me, verse 20, because he delighted in me, David had a sense of God's delight in him. His plea for deliverance was rooted in his relationship with God, not merely on a on a, a desire to survive. David didn't know didn't want to just just survive what he was going through. He wanted to be in relationship with God, right? If everything was rooted in that. According to the cleanness of my hands. These these words in verse 21 are, are one reason why many people believe David um, could only sing this psalm before um, his sin with Bathsheba. Yet the text seems to indicate that David, David's song, uh he sang this towards the end of his day, right? This verse one says, When the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies, so we might say that David simply believed. What the prophet Nathan told him in 2 Samuel 12, the Lord also has put away your sin. If the Lord puts away your sin, then you're clean. David knew he was a forgiven man. And that the cleanness cleanness of his hands was because God had cleansed him. Not because um, he had never been dirtied, but God had cleaned him. I have kept the ways of the Lord 22 and then verse 24 I've also I was also blameless before him David isn't claiming um sinless perfection there's no there's no way he could claim being sinless being perfect he spoke of of, of a sense of, of general righteousness and of his righteousness as it contrasted with the wickedness of his enemies. Charles Spurgeon writes, Before God, the man after God's own heart was a humble sinner, but but before his slanderers, he could with unblushing face speak of the cleanness of his hands and the righteousness of his life. We can come to God in prayer with the same claim that David had. But not on the basis of our own righteousness, but the righteousness we have received in Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians uh, 130 says, But of him you were in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. David writes, I kept myself from my iniquity. Some think this is this is an arrogance. This is a pride on David's part. Yet we know that this is certainly a sense in which we must keep ourselves from sin. Even as Paul spoke of a man cleansing himself for God's glory and for great service. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. We are not perfect, guys. We are not. There's no way. And we're always going to be struggling with sin. It doesn't matter the sin. We're always going to be struggle. That's why it's so important that daily, 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 for some of us, hourly, you know, we are going before the throne and we are asking for forgiveness. We're asking to be cleansed. We're asking for God to make us righteous, right? So that we can do the work of the Lord. And you know what? The word says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. We're not perfect, but. If we are doing our best, we are in relationship with God, then we can stand boldly and say like, I'm living a pretty good life. I'm living for God, not living for myself. You know, I know where my faults are at. I know what my sin is. I know what that hidden thing is that I struggle with and I sacrifice it to the Lord day in and day out. And that's when God can really, really use us knowing that we cannot overcome anything by our own strength. We can only overcome by the blood of the lamb, amen? That's a word for somebody. A lot of us are held bound and captive because we think we can't. We think that we that God can never use us God can never use you. You've been through so much. You've been through too much. You've done this. You've done that. And God don't care. As long as you ask for forgiveness, you ask that God can use you, you ask for God to make you whole, right? Then God will use you. If you feel, you know, so many of us, we feel useless. We feel like we can't do. That is a lie from the enemy. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, because God can use you. God can use you. Pick your head up. Even if you got your camera off, pick your head up and say to yourself, God can use me. God will use me. All we have to do is come before him every single day and just ask for forgiveness, ask to be cleansed, ask to be made whole. And God, David, David did some bad stuff, guys. I don't know if y'all been following along on the soap. But David did some dirt, right? David committed adultery. David had 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 a dude murdered to fulfill his own selfish lust. But God still called him a man after his own heart. So come on, I don't know your stories. You know, I'm going to assume that no one over here has killed somebody over over, over another person. I don't know. But all we have to do is ask for forgiveness, repent, repent of our sin, and maybe go through the process of being redeemed, right? And God will use you. Verse 26, with the merciful, you will also, you will show yourself merciful. Jesus discussed this principle on the Sermon on the Mount but from the perspective of man instead of God in Matthew 7 uh, verse 2 Jesus says for with what judgment you judge you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured back to you David didn't only sing about this principle he also lived it and he benefited from it verse 28 you will show you will save the humble people but your eyes are on the haughty that you, bring them down. David proclaims um, his confidence in the principle um, that's, that's that's going to be repeated in, in the book of Proverbs, in the book of James, in the book of 1 Peter. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is something in, in true humility that prompts the grace and mercy of God. And, there, and there, there's something um, in pride and haughtiness that prompts God's resistance and his displeasure. Humility isn't necessarily a low opinion of ourselves, but it's a combination of an accurate opinion of self. Humility is other-centered, not self-centered. And that's where David was coming from. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. Verse twenty-nine. When God been, met David's need, He first brought light. He shined light on what was on, on, on what was going on in his life. Great strength and skill um, don't help much at all if we can't see in the midst of the struggle. God will bring light to our darkness. By you, verse thirty. I can, out, I can run against a troop, but by, by my God, I can leap over a wall. When God met David's need, he brought strength. David knew the principle that would be um, written about in Ephesians 6.10, long before Paul penned the words, be strong, the Lord, and the power of his might. David lived it. David knew this. God has, has resources of power that he makes available to us by faith. We don't have to be strong in our might, but we can be strong in his might, amen? We don't have to use our own strength. We don't have to fight the battle. We don't have to do anything except give it to God and let him go before us. Because verse 31 says, he is a shield to all who trust in him. When God met David's need, he brought protection. David could see with light and stand in God's strength, but he still needed supernatural protection. David's trust was the vital link in receiving protection from God. We have to trust God. We have to trust God. Let me say it again: We have to trust God, because too often we pray. We pray the prayers. We ask God, right? And God deliver me. God this. God this. God this. You know and. Move God, right? And then you decide, you know what? I think God needs some help. Let me go in. Let me go. Let me go put my two cents in. Let me go. Let me go. And you're getting in the way, guys. And this is tough. This is a tough part of our faith, right? Because we are a people that likes to move, likes to do, right? And oftentimes in our faith, we feel. Like we're just standing here with our hands up and and nothing's going on. You know, and like, this is hard for us. This is hard for us just to surrender because we are we like to move. We got to move. But God is telling us we ain't got to move. We don't have to do anything. He promises to take care of this. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. David thought of, of how deer seem to skip from place to place. Never losing their footing, right? We see them all the time around here. You're driving, you see some deer on the side of the road. As soon as they get wind of you, boom, they disappear. They're gone. They're quick. They're fast. God gave David the same kind of skill in working through the challenges that he was dealing with, the challenges that 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 were brought on by his enemies. Verse 36, your gentleness has made me great. For David, it wasn't only about skill and power. It was also about receiving God's mercy and enjoying our relationship with the God of great gentleness. This is was also a strength for David. It's a strength for us that although we serve a powerful God, we serve a God that's that's got all strength, all mercy, all everything in him. Right, the one who was, who is, and is still to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of the end, the one who was God before we were around to even call him God is still gentle enough to meet us where we're at. That's powerful, that's powerful. That's an aspect of God that we don't even think about all the time, you know. because David, it was also about receiving his mercy and enjoying this relationship with God, this God of gentleness. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Verse thirty-eight. Got David relished this place of victory he had in the Lord, and he wasn't hesitant to proclaim it, either, either, either out of false humility, humility or out of an uh, uncertainty of possessing the victory, but he knew that his enemies would rise again. But he looked back at the field of battle and said, they have fallen under my feet. And when they were under my feet, he says, "I I trod them like dirt in the streets. David knew that once David defeated his enemies, they were going to be like the dirt beneath his feet. He don't have to worry about them anymore. He didn't have to worry about them anymore. Once David conquers your enemy, whoever, whatever, you won't have to deal with it anymore. It's going to be done. You're going to be like David, walking over them. You have also delivered me from the strivings of my people. Verse 44, David didn't only have to battle with the problems from his enemies. He also had to battle from the strivings of his own people. In the midst of the battle, he had to endure the contentions of his own people. But God sustains him through that, also. You know, so even when you're going through stuff, you're going through problems, right? Sometimes you got to look back and and you see your own family. You Got to deal with that nonsense, because listen, we listen, we all got some. Cr- we all got some crazy family members, right? This is listen, this is just us, right? We family, right? This is just us, right? We all listen. We all got we all got some, right? And even when you're dealing with your enemies. Right. Sometimes you turn around and look back to where you should have peace, you should have comfort, you should be able just to relax. You gotta deal with them over here. Right. And that's what David was dealing with. He had enemies be in front of him, he had his people behind him. And it was it was like it was like he was dealing with nonsense all around, you know. But get but again, God sustained him through all of this. He says, you have kept me as the head of the nations. David knew that the throne belonged to God. It's as if he was saying the throne's not mine. It's not mine to have, not to take, not to protect. The throne isn't mine to keep. The throne belongs to the Lord. So when David had the throne, he knew it was God who had given it to him. And that's a pretty good place to be. To know that to, to, to and to understand the position you may have found yourself in belongs to God. And God is lending it to you. whether you're in ministry, whether you're in a business, whatever wherever you find yourself when you're you're in some kind of position of leadership and we world, were, we're all leaders to some capacity. when well, we can acknowledge that this doesn't belong to us. this doesn't belong to me, right? It belongs to God. And it's real easy for us to get ahead on us to think like, man, this is all me. I got this. This is, this is me. You know? But I'm going to tell you right now. If at any point I look at the Cumberland County location as if it's my church. God's going to take it away. Because it's his. And Pastor Brennan says it all the time. You know, it's not about him. It's not about any of us. It's about him. It's not about any one of our names. It's about the name of Jesus Christ and that his name be lifted high. David knew that the throne of Israel and the power and the influence that he had on all the nations around him belonged to God. He was just stewarding that throne for God. It makes it so much easier. Because then it's not really our responsibility. God's going to do what He wants to do. We're just here to act on His behalf. Verse forty-eight: It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. David emphasized this thought: This is the Lord's victory. He won it for me. He gets the glory. That's why when you know we you know when we sing the songs we don't we don't sing you know. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Fusion Church. No, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. So that Jesus' name be lifted high. That's what we need to be doing, brothers and sisters. Verse 49: He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up. We we see that in this song that David constantly moved um, back and forth. From speaking about God when he says he delivers me to speaking directly to God when he says, you also lift me up. And God didn't seem to have a problem (laughs) moving between these two aspects, indicating there's a place for both in praise. When we praise, it's okay if we both speak about God and when we speak directly to God. Right, it all it all works. It all has a place in our worship. He says in verse 50, and sing praises to your name." Charles Spurgeon writes, "To be saved singing is to be saved indeed. Many are saved mourning and doubting, but David had such faith that he could fight singing and win the battle with a song still on his lips. David was a warrior, but he was also a worshiper. And we need to have both aspects of that in our life. Yes, we get together, we worship, and you should make, you you listen, not even you should, you must make worship a part of your daily routine. Daily, right? But then, when it comes down to, to, to the fight, we need to be ready to, to war, right? And how do we war? We war on our knees. We war in prayer. And honestly, we war when we worship. It all goes together. And David did both so amazingly. He was a warrior. He wasn't afraid to go and, and, and take some fools out, right? But at his heart, he was still a worshiper, a worshiper who penned the, some of the greatest psalms in the Bible, right? Paul quotes from this passage um, in Romans fifteen nine. He says, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And We're going to close. Verse 51, last verse, shows mercy to his anointed. David ended this psalm, this song with understanding his position. The earlier in the song he proclaimed his own righteousness, he came back to the foundation of God's mercy. David's relationship with God was based on his great mercy, not on David's own righteousness. It is based on God's mercy. We don't deserve God's mercy. We Let me say it again. We don't deserve God's mercy, but he freely gives it. And our relationship is based on that. The fact that he shows us mercy. He gives us grace. He chose you. Listen, everyone listening today, right now, everyone listening on the podcast later on or watching on YouTube, God chose you. He chose you. He didn't just choose me. He didn't just choose the elders on this call. He didn't choo- just just choose the people who decide to have the camera on this morning. He chose every single one of you because you are his beloved. He loves you. He strives to have relationship with you. And David tells us that when we cry out to God, that he will move heaven and earth to come to you. He will He will move the mountains, the clouds, and everything, and he will fly down on the wings of an angel to deliver you from whatever it is you're going through. Do not think you have to be some holy saint floating above everybody else with your righteousness for God to hear you. No, you can be deep down in the murk and mire of life, and God will find you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's someone I'm about to get fired up, and I got a baby sleeping upstairs. Listen, God desires to be with us. God loves us. God wants relationship with us. no one is left out from that desire there's no sin too bad no sin too great none of that will keep us from the love of god but we have to accept the love of god for it to become real for us amen let's pray father thank you thank you for your word lord god thank you that we have an example like king david lord that at the end of his life even though he had done some horrible things, he had done some bad things things that uh, many of us would, would would just say that there's no way there's no way that God can save him but you still called him a man after your own heart. so father I pray that each and every one of us would be would be men and women after your heart men and women who strive to be close to you men and women who desire a deeper relationship with you, Lord God. So at the end of our life, we can look back and see every time you came through for us. I pray as we go about our day, Lord Jesus, that you would just, you would truly speak to us, Father. Speak to us of your righteousness. Speak to us of the things that you want for us. Speak to us of the things that you want to reveal to us. Lord, I pray for dreams and visions to come upon my, my, my family here in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray that whatever situation that we're facing, Lord God, whatever enemy or perceived enemy that we're facing, Jesus, that I pray, Lord, that you, you, you're you already on top of that, Lord God. You're already in control. You've already won that battle, Lord. All we have to do is continue to praise your name, Lord. Father, I thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right, church, fusion, love you guys. I'll see you soon. God bless.